Mr. Van Skyver, can you hear me, sir? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. You should be able to see me now, too. Oh, there you are. Look at you. you <laughs> What's up, King? Good to see you. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Good to see you as well. And uh, yeah, slim down a little bit. I still got a little bit to go. I don't want to spike the football. How you doing it? What's your whole thing? What's your uh, routine? Because well, I'm gaining it. For one, uh, I every once in a while I might have a Coke, you know, every couple of months or something like that. But mostly I've cut out Cokes, um, basically cut out sugar. Um, I was doing the one meal a day thing. Now, now I've been having a little bit of a snack during the day just because I've been on air so much. But the one meal a day thing with a little bit of intermittent fasting. Um, and then I was eating a torta, although I haven't been. I've been calling it the torta diet because I'm in Mexico. And you can get a stacked torta for like three dollars, and so I was just eating like one stacked torta per day, and I dropped I don't know about eighty or ninety pounds um, on that method. Also had I won't go into all the I had a change in my life I guess you'll say that made me uh, think that maybe I need to lose some more weight. Uh, might have to get back out there a little bit, uh, and so uh, so that was a good motivator. Uh, as well and yeah that's how that's basically how i did and some walking right like i haven't done a ton of exercise i was gonna ask about yeah, that yeah, yeah. you actually yeah. doing anything because i yeah, don't want to yeah. do anything yeah i've been walking so my truck was in the shop for three fucking months in mexico uh but the good thing about mexico is it's um most of the neighborhoods are kind of structured around being able to walk to almost anything you need. And so I was doing a, a lot of walking there and uh, a little light exercise, but mostly just the walking uh, and the diet change. And I dropped it. I dropped a ton of weight. Yeah. Good for you, dude. Good yeah. for you. Stay healthy. Yeah. I appreciate that. Now, how you been? It's been a while since we had you here. Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm very busy. I'm fulfilling like four different comic book campaigns. A toy can see these toys over my shoulder right there. I see that. these are all cyber frog toys that I made. I made action figures and statues. Wow. And stuff. Now, okay, and, so you've been on the show a lot, but first off, I, it's been a while. So let's do a reset. Have you introduce yourself? Give you a little, give a little background. I figure most everybody here knows, but just in case, okay. Uh, and I'll put it up on the podcast feed too. So just in case there's a couple of people, give your background, very illustrious background, but give it a little bit, and then talk about cyber frog here at the top as well <laughs> more. All right, yeah, sure. I'm Ethan Van Skyver. I'm a comic book artist, uh, turned YouTuber slash comic book artist, uh, leading voice of Comicsgate, uh, which is a movement that sprung out of Gamergate, of course. The same shit was happening in the comic book industry where I worked. I worked at DC Comics for 20 years, was canceled uh, for being an uh, alt-right Trump supporter, uh, and uh, had to go out on my own. And I did. I went out on my own and, and started crowdfunding comic books kicking uh kicking some ass uh with a comic book that i made when i was 20 19 or 20 called cyber frog uh raised 6.6 .6 million dollars on uh, the character so far uh and we've been able to make great like my rack here is, is all cyber frog comics beautiful shiny cyber frog comics that we make you know, with chromium covers we've made action figures so we've been very very successful in pointing the way towards um what some people call the parallel economy uh, and, uh, it's working out, it's working out good. So, uh, we're still here. I, I I'm working on cyber frog number three right now, you know, books like rainbow, the brute, which is, you know, uh, we took, uh, Ethan, we took all these like, um, <clears throat> boy, it's weird calling somebody else. Ethan. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, both our names. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
we took uh we took all these girls toy properties from the 1980s i had three sisters growing up like uh actually four sisters i'm sorry i had four sisters growing up uh and uh, they all liked uh strawberry shortcake and the care bears and rainbow bright so i'm familiar with all these characters uh, what i did was i made a world where i hyper masculinized all these like girls toy properties and it's called rainbow the brute uh so i'm working on that book right now it's kind of a spin on kathleen kennedy making everything yeah. masculine kind of feminine and gay. star wars gay or feminine right. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're gonna make their stuff cool i don't know I mean, somebody's got to do it so uh that's that's what I'm working on right now alongside Cyberfrog. So. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned um, the Chromium cover because a hater of yours was, I think this was a couple of weeks ago or something. I said you were going to come on or some shit. And they're like, have you read Cyberfrog? And I actually haven't. I mean, I didn't want to lie. But I said, they said, what do you like about Cyberfrog? I said, well, I, I mean, those Chromium covers look cool as fuck. <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> That's all you need to say. What do you like about it? It's really shiny. I mean, it's yeah. a, this is a beautiful high-end comic. Uh, you know, so yeah, it just looks good. Well, you had pulled it. It was um, it was right when you were putting it out or something. I think this might have been the first one or the second one, and you and you came on and you showed like you had a proof of it or whatever. You were ju you just mm -hmm. got it and you showed it on the kill stream. And I remember thinking, God, that looks amazing. And I've seen it since. <laughs> and I said that and they got angry. They're like, What do you mean? I mean, I'm like, I don't know. It looks cool. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Uh, and and you talked about. I mean, you're kind of a pioneer uh, in this uh, alternate econ economy thing, or or one of at least uh, on that on a massive scale right at least at that level um so maybe you could go into some of the challenges of that and then just what is a chromium cover and how does it differ from regular <laughs> cover well you know back in the 1990s when marvel comics were selling millions and millions of copies and their comics were wanted people were collecting them people were excited about spider-man and the x-men uh, they used to have something they used to have money in their budget they actually used to be able to spend money on the comics and the talent uh, that's gone now. Now they're hiring these uh, retards right off of Tumblr uh, who have no idea how to tell stories. And all, all they really are concerned about are their gender problems, dysphoria, mental illness. So those comics are pretty much dead. But the idea of making comics that look that actually look beautiful on the outside as well as the inside is something that stuck with me. So we were able to raise so much money on the first uh, Cyberfrog book, which is called Blood Honey that I brought back uh, this technology, which had just gone extinct. You know, I found the guys who made the Chromium in 1993, and I went to them and said, can we get your factory up and running and make Chromium again? Uh, and what it is, is it's just this kind of uh, plastic, kind of uh, highly mirrored cover that you can print anything on, uh, and then you actually etch in. the. It, it, it really is beautiful. It's designed. It See the little shininess behind it? It looks glittery. Um, they just look fantastic. They look so much better than uh, any other comic book out there. Uh, so I, I I brought that back. I brought that technology back. And now currently, DC and Marvel are trying to catch up to us. They're, they're doing these kind of cheap foil covers, but they can't afford to do this. It's because this book raised $1.45 million, uh, and we can spend uh, a little bit of money making the comics look extra special uh, while keeping the uh, while keeping the interiors good. They're non like. You know, everything oh, yeah. needs to be everything needs to be great. Like the story needs to be great, the art needs to be great. You know, everything just needs to uh, to be like a real comic book. If we're gonna, because this is what's important to me. Like comic books are important to me. I devoted my life to it when I was nineteen. I said this is what I want to do for the rest of my life, and I didn't know the uh, comic book industry would be hijacked by feminists and killed off halfway into my life. 
in my middle age crisis was fucking SJWs ruining my industry. So um, uh, yeah, being able to uh, to do comics, do them on my own terms, make more money than ever before, uh, and make comic product that people actually want. They want to collect these uh, is really highly fulfilling. So that's been uh, that's been Comicsgate, and of course, yeah, because we're doing this, Ethan, you're not going to believe this, but there are people out there that want us to fail. Uh, I heard all about that. Yeah. It's so weird. I know you've never had that problem. No, never no, had... never. They only wish me the best, <laughs> Ethan. What do you mean? <laughs> you don't have. There's something called an A log uh, that you know uh, wants to. By the way, my wife was like, "What are you doing? Like, uh, what's this show you're going on?" I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> this is this is Killstream." This is the biggest. This is like uh, this is the grandfather of uh, of uh, live streams of shows. Goes back to Gamergate. I said, "What this is is this is a lol cow checkup. This is just to check and see if Ethan is a lol cow, uh, still a lol cow or a lol cow at all." So I said, "This is my checkup," and she said, "Good luck. Don't make a fool of yourself." Uh, so uh, we'll find. We'll decide if. Uh, that is what this show is, is it not? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's gotten crazy on the show at times. Yeah, historically, there, there's been some. Sometimes it's myself being. <laughs> yeah, it could be anybody. It just depends. Uh, but yeah, I've had my moments. Other people have had their moments here uh, in the sun, for sure. That's the so, whole thing about the internet. Yeah. Like, you know, this is war. It's not just about only making comic books and getting them out there. It's also just fighting for survival on the internet, uh, which is its whole other uh whole other thing isn't it so yeah. uh comicscape well let me ask you about the survival of of this since you started your independent path uh and we'll talk about there's a couple of drama topics i think you know what we'll talk about eventually but uh how, how do you keep this um how do you keep the train going? You know, you have you have an initial uh, offering. You're a famous comic book artist and were uh, before all this started, right? People come mm -hmm. and they want your art, right? Like they collect your art. Like I, I don't know if people understand, right? Uh, sure. A lot of these people um, and some people read comics and do this type of stuff in the audience. Others might not know, but there's like a huge market. And when somebody likes your art and you're a well-known artist, they collect all your covers and get them graded and they want to meet you at conventions. Like it's a pretty cool life, right? Uh, it's pretty yeah. cool. And then you come out and you start cyber frog, you, you start, um, you know, comics gate and all that. Um, and it has this huge momentum and everybody's talking about it. How do you keep that going though, uh, over successive releases and, and, um, keep enough fire in it to, to keep it burning? Well, I mean, first and foremost, I can't do it by myself. Um, you know, I got a, there are a whole lot of other creative people that are part of Comicsgate who used to be Marvel in DC. Uh, we just had like the greatest, uh, when I was, when I was like 19, there was an artist named Dale Keown and he, he drew the Hulk, right? And then he went to Image Comics and drew a book called Pit, which was the Hulk, but with claws. I mean, <laughs> just a fucking pit, look up P-I-T-T. Uh, and then just write Dale and you'll find Dale Keown's pit. Uh, it is uh, incredible. And he was my favorite artist for a long time, a long time. He just joined Comicsgate. He's part of our movement now. He defected from Marvel Comics. They wanted him to do Avengers uh, forever. And he just said, uh, no, I don't like these SJWs. I don't like this. Like you have to walk on eggshells around these people. Uh, they're very delicate. Uh, you can't uh, misgender uh, them. You got to be careful of their pronouns. It's a very creepy. I, last night I was on my live stream. I said working there was like swimming in a warm puddle of AIDS, like nonstop. <laughs> just fucking, you know, just uh, people are really spooky. 
so he joined us and he's doing uh comics and covers for us uh you know that that poster on my wall right there you can see a little bit of it that's dale keown drawing my characters that kind of thing creates enthusiasm and, and just it takes a little bit of um of the uh uh initiative uh the obligation off of my own shoulders because we have other artists constantly creating constantly doing their own stuff and just keeping the keeping the train running uh which is i think important now is it cool so uh, for those who don't know you've you know, you've you've drawn for Batman and, uh, you know, the Justice League. I think Superman too, Green Lantern for sure. Uh, and so that's awesome, right? Like that's pretty cool um, to to be able to influence those properties and put your own artistic spin on it. But is it cooler to step outside that? Like you said, oh, they just wanted to draw Avengers forever, right? Like, um, I mean, can that get a little? It's cool handling those properties, I'm sure. But is it? It's like an actor wanting a new role sometimes, right? Like. Uh, to experiment a little bit yeah like working there was kind of fun because it's uh it's easy you you're working on properties that everybody already loves so you know when i'm drawing batman or green lantern i get all kinds of love all kinds of love because uh you know wow like you're drawing the character the, the comic book that i like you get flown out to conventions and people line up to meet you and it can really go to your head i see this happening to a lot of people a lot of my peers but you don't own this shit. <laughs> the minute they get sick of you, they'll kick you off. And you're you find out that you know what? It wasn't you, it was Batman. It wasn't me. It was I had great ideas for Green Lantern, but it wasn't me, it was Green Lantern. People liked Green Lantern. Uh so uh, anybody else can can jump in there, fill those shoes, and just keep that that whole thing going. A lot of people uh work in the mainstream and they um bounce around, they they don't really uh, save any money, uh, they're they're getting paid well enough. They're getting paid to live good, you know, um, middle class, upper middle class lifestyles, but they're not saving. I, I just watch them throw their money away on uh, silly, silly things. And because they think this is going to last forever. And before too long, um, you have like a 20 year lifespan, I think, as a, most people as creators in comics. When you're done, like these guys just end up like broke and, um, uh, you know, starting GoFundMes for like, household necessities i mean we i've seen it so often now just help us we're gonna have a cold winter we're gonna need a little help and it's like you're a talented creative person you got to get out there and um create something of your own that can be a legacy uh it's a little bit more uh scary because yeah like um uh, people don't know people don't know cyberfrog the same way they know green lantern so you know, I mean, this is going to rise or fall on its own merits and, and my own ability to promote it and sell it. Uh, whereas uh, DC, Green Lantern and Batman, they're going to sell anyway. So that is scary. But the good thing is nobody's going to fire me from this. Uh, and also, at the end of my life, uh, all of the work that I do for this book, I'm going to hand off to my kids. Uh, and so my, my kids are going to inherit my backlog of work, okay, all of the Cyberfrog stuff. The IP itself, I will never sell it. I'll sell it to get cucked up by Disney if they want to. That's on them. Uh, you know, but uh, that's that's more of building a legacy. It's a lot more work. You know, it's a lot more risky. But 
Uh, I think everybody needs to do it. I think all these people need to do it, especially as the comic book industry seems to be sinking right now. I don't know if you've seen any of that, but yeah, I've wow. read a little bit about it. You know, I'm not plugged into the daily, but I, it's something that, you know, I keep in contact with, if that makes sense, right? Like I check in or see this story. It's almost impossible not to uh, see a little bit, hear a little bit about it around. It. And I love comics, but not, like I can't say that I was deep into it. So I was the type of guy who would buy a comic every once in a while when I was a kid, uh, or I'd see something, you know, at the drugstore, right? when they used to sell comics at the drugstore right? and there used to be a drugstore rather than just right. walmart uh or walgreens or whatever um although there were walgreens too but uh you know you buy a comic here or there or oh this storyline this and that but i wasn't like plugged in daily like i was with wrestling or, or something like that so it was one of those things that kind of but that's what it is it. it is like wrestling like you know yeah. but, you know these guys you know our our audience marvel and dc's audience like they're they're plugged in they're addicted yeah. to it like they're following the stories it's like every wednesday they got to go and drop 50 bucks on comics and that's how it used to be that's the ecosystem of the comic book industry uh and it's fallen off uh, for a lot of reasons i think one of the reasons you just said like there aren't really drugstores anymore yeah yeah didn't you ever just go into like your local yes. mom and pop's drugstore and just all the Drop time bucks well that was one of the cool things and uh, you know there was all, there was a ton of comics there and they didn't have them everywhere you know you might see a few at walmart or wherever or what have you <laughs> but like the the drugstore had a whole rack of comics uh and you know i wasn't always reading them every day so i'd go there i'd read comics while my mom was walking around sometimes i would you know buy one or you know, what have you sometimes i would just read them off the rack which is not appropriate but i was a kid so whatever uh but, but yeah that was that was an awesome part of going to the drugstore yeah i mean it used to be there used to be a lot more brick and mortar mom and pops everything's changing now you know if you want to if you want to like uh if you want to succeed in business right now one of the main things that you got to think about is um, uh, I got to be able to offer my product without the person having to do anything except plug their credit card in. Like they don't have to get in their car. They don't have to go anywhere. They don't have to really do much. Uh, just point and click and you're going to succeed. You're watching like, you, do you use DoorDash? Do you get DoorDash in Mexico? Yeah, they have. Actually, they have Uber Eats and they have a service called Rappi. And here in Merida, they have a whole fleet. Like, there's more people doing delivery uh, in Mexico. So there's people who are just out on their motorcycles or motorbikes all day long doing like a whole delivery class. Uh, and so deliveries are like a dollar or two uh, in Mexico. So they're a lot cheaper. That's not so, so bad. No, it's not bad at all. No, it's, it's <laughs> way better than the U.S. in terms of price. Uh, but yeah, there's a ton of delivery here. Yeah. Yeah, DoorDash has like become quite a thing. You know, you got all these, uh, you got all these guys out there in their Uber Eats cars, uh, delivering food like a, a Happy Meal from McDonald's, which is probably like eight dollars if you just go and pick it up. It's like twenty two dollars to get it. <laughs> but people do it because you'd rather just not do anything. You'd rather pay more, stay at home, than uh, go pick it up and save you know uh 14 or whatever you'd rather just stay home that's why and that's where business is going now that's why all these brick and mortar places are closing down comics are gonna have to figure out how to sell themselves over the internet a little better all right now before we get into a, another independent comic area let me ask you about the gay green lantern uh since you did <laughs> since you did work on green Lantern. first off explain the backstory a little bit we talked about it a little bit tim sheridan i think uh is the guy's name and i did see the video where he he said and maybe it was you making fun of it, i don't remember but he, he said you had to go out and 
you had to go out and support this to prove that there was a demand for the gay Green, green Lantern, and turns out there's not really. There isn't. Thank you for making that an issue. Yeah. Thank you. So if you if so, in other words, if people don't buy the gay Green Lantern book, there isn't a demand. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. Um. Yeah. That was something else. You know, I was working at DC Comics uh, at the time that this happened. This was like around 2006 or 2007. And uh, I was working on Green Lantern, you know, Hal Jordan. And there was a rumor. I was in the office in New York City. And and uh, somebody came in and said, uh, you know, they're making Green Lantern gay. Did you know that, Ethan? And I said, <laughs> pardon me? Like, my Hal Jordan? Which one? Like, which guy? And they go, no, 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 no. Like, they reassured me. They go, no, no, no. It's Alan Scott. Alan Scott was the original Green Lantern from the 1940s. And he has nothing to do with Hal Jordan or the Green Lantern Corps or the they wear rings and they're police. He's he's an independent kind of oddball character from the 1940s who's an old man in the books now. Uh, they said the Earth 2 version of Alan Scott, an alternate multiverse reality version of Alan Scott, is going to be, well, he might just be bisexual. And I said, you guys are really just dipping your toe in that water, aren't you? Like, just make him gay. Like, what are you doing? Like, you you're, you clearly want to be like, assert yourselves that these characters are going to be gay. Just do it. Don't be pussies. Don't do it, you know, half measures. Uh, just make him gay. Well, no, just the Earth 2 version was gay. Uh, and um, and then, of course, as time went on, you know, they just announced that the, uh, the real version uh, in our, quote unquote, our reality was also gay, uh, which is weird because he has two kids. You know, it's like <laughs> the character's not gay. Like he's never been gay. Uh, so uh, anyway, uh, he became like a symbol of uh, pride, DC Comics pride, which is something that they rely very heavily on. And I don't know why. I'm not sure why they put out these pride books all the time or, you know, virtue signaling to the LGBTQ lobby. Um, anyway, so this guy, Tim Sheridan, uh, who uh, you really should show that video somehow, maybe so lay funny. it over. <laughs> He's like, he's such a fucking, like, there's a new kind of bully out there. It's like a, a pussy bully. It's a fucking, the kind of cuck that, like, uh, we'd push into lockers in high school uh, uses the internet now to bully other people with their, like, I'm a marginalized person. I've got a whole army of people behind me who will stand up for my rights, you know. So that's that's who this guy is. Uh, and it's just like, um, he's just like, if you buy this gay Green Lantern book, we're going to show this comic skate trolls. We're going to push them back under the bridge that we're, and we outnumber them. Ethan, they don't outnumber us. No. They don't outnumber us. They're, I swear to God, what are you, 2% of the population? You don't, you, they're under no circumstances. Do you outnumber? You should not be saying things like that. You should be begging us uh, to, uh, to look at your weird stuff and just be like, accept <laughs> it. That's about, that's about all there is. So uh, most people, there, there are gay characters in uh, in Green Lantern, or are gay characters in DC Comics, and it's fine. This guy wrote like a five page sex scene uh, with how with not how doing with Alan Scott with his shirt off and his underpants, wearing cowboy boots, rolling around in a bed on top of another dude, like for five pages. It wasn't even just it just went on and on and on, being blacklisted or um, uh, being brought. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, the director of the FBI is not blacklisting them. He's Black bribing them. <laughs> I hope Black that wasn't it. No. Uh... Why? Why can't I remember? I'm, I got old man brain right now. Uh, he's basically bribing uh, and threatening uh, Alan. Oh, Scott blackmail. Blackmailing. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, to uh, like, we're going to show everybody that you're a homosexual if you don't 
you know, come to my party with Clyde Tolson. F fucking weird. Like, nobody wants to read this. This is not a comic book. This is not a comic book story. So anyway, the book, uh, you know, he begged people on, on the Internet and he made Comicsgate an issue. He said, we're going to do this to prove that Comicsgate has no power here. And it, it didn't even hit the top 50. What we don't dumbest. know where it is. So you only do that if you know it's going to do well, right? Like, you don't. now he looks like a moron. Okay. You want to stand if you're going to if you're going to do that. This is my advice to the homosexuals uh, in uh, DC Comics. <laughs> if you're <laughs> if you're going to do that, if you're going to challenge Comicsgate in that kind of a way, you better be standing on Batman's shoulders. Uh, you know, I mean, that you you better have a book that everybody is going to buy anyway. Uh, Alan Scott Green Lantern ain't it. Uh, and so, um, yeah, it was embarrassing. Yeah, better be Batman, weird. Superman, Justice League, something top level because, yeah. They, I, they, they did a book where uh, Russians captured Superman and sodomized him. <laughs> he was in prison. They had kryptonite, and they were jamming instruments up his asshole while he howled into the <laughs> Why red Why would they plunk. do that? I don't know. They're fucking, <laughs> like, I, I, I was like, guys, like, I, they're like, well, it's just one story. I'm like, you can't unfuck that ass. You just fucking, you just raped Superman. Like, that lasts forever. There's no Superman's way you could... not supposed to be sodomized. What in the world? <laughs> if anybody's not supposed to be, how does, how does was I don't know, dude. They were literally sticking up his ass. They were using that to weaken him so I that can't... they could uh, stick implements up his butt and torture him. Yeah, That's they captured insane. him. Okay. That's where we are right now. Okay. This is the <laughs> level of degeneracy that we've arrived at at that company. And that's why people are looking at us. You know, it's like they're looking at Cyberfrog. They're looking at Comicsgate. Appreciate now, it. Are they looking at ISOM though? Uh, what is your. <laughs> Pardon me. Uh, well, you know, I heard a few <clears throat> things. I, what, what are you. Uh, what's your favorite part of ISOM, I guess? Uh... Hmm. I like the cover that I did for number two. I thought it was pretty good. I'm doing I'm doing covers for some indie books lately, you know. Andrew Tate, I don't know if you know this. Andrew Tate just retweeted, I did the cover for his second comic book. Really? I, that's going to set the world on fire. I can't wait. I just Dude. fucking can't wait. Well, Andrew yeah. Tate, Eric July, I mean, they're kind of in the same class. Um, <laughs> how... how <laughs> How how have things gone with it? Look, let's just get okay. into it. Let's just get into it because I thought you guys were cool. Of course, I covered this a little bit. I'm fr I'm friends with Dick Masterson. I, you probably know which which way I went with it. But he I is really... the worst person. <laughs> Do you hear comment? He is the Dick Masterson's the worst person in the world. And Vito, I hope oh, he falls into a hole. These guys couple, are terrible. A couple of yeah. nasty pieces of work, but yeah. you know, I, I wasn't paying attention to him for that reason at first, uh, and then. Well, Eric July progressively, I, I guess you could say, um, kind of lost his uh, mind a little. Uh, and what really what he should have ignored, and I understand, you know, there's some stuff I should have ignored too that I haven't. And I don't know. Usually there's some kind of course correction eventually, though. Uh, and it wound up with him lashing out at, at Ricada, uh, lashing out at you, which... Uh, kind of bizarre really uh i thought but uh i don't know just any any thoughts i know you've talked about it before but you know we're doing an interview so i figured i'd bring sure it up. yeah yeah well i mean what you know um yeah i'm highly supportive of people who want to do uh, independent comics and um you know eric july's been was planning ripaverse you know for a while like for two years he was sending me text messages like hey 
you know, where do you go? What are your, where's your printer at? You know, like who, who should I hire for an artist? You know, how do I get an artist? Like things like this. And I was like, I was helping him, you know, I thought it was a pretty good idea. So, uh, uh, he'd be like, Oh, look at, you got a warehouse. Dude, I watched your video of you with a warehouse. Like, I, I don't know if you know this, but like warehouses have become legendary. He's really have, obsessed with warehousing. I have to say, um, it is strange. I, I got a, <laughs> I had to get a warehouse because I started making toys. See, comic books are really nothing. You can store comic books in your garage. You know, I have a, a three-car garage. That would be, I could put all my comic books in there. Not a problem for sh like selling comic books, in other words. But toys are a whole different matter. You see the boxes with the, the Salamandroid yeah. toys there. Like they if you're take ordering... up way more space. You can stack comic books on top of each other. Uh, thousands, right? right? Yeah. Like, uh... yeah. You, got your, you get 8,000 Salamandroid toys. And you got to have a warehouse. So uh, I opened up uh, my first warehouse and I made a video. I'm like, I can't, you know, it's really something when you have your own business uh, and your business starts to grow and you're, you're able to do more things. I walked around with a camera and I was like doing one of these live streams like this is my office space now. I got a warehouse. Look at this warehouse. Uh, and I, he sent me a message. He's like, dude, that is the shit. I can't believe you fucking... <laughs> You know, warehouse, that is the shit. I'm like, well, I gotta pay for it. You know, it's like <laughs> it's not like it's you know, it's it's cool. It is cool. You're right. Now that cool. warehouse was too small. We when we started making you see the little Heather Swain action figure on the wall there. Uh yeah. we started making action figures, uh, and that was even bigger, like way more products coming in. We're moving, we're getting product in, we're moving product out. We gotta store some products so we can divvy it out slowly uh over eBay and uh through Big Bad Toy Store, things like that. I got to have a warehouse. I got to have a bigger warehouse space. So I got an enormous warehouse. And once again, look at this. This is like a fucking air, uh, airplane hanger in here. This is fantastic. So uh, he, he, I think he was really like turned on by that. <laughs> I don't, I can't explain it. I think he really loved the idea of having it. Now I can't wait to get rid of my fucking warehouses because they're, you know, uh, I would like to only sell comic books, uh, storing things, uh, paying the rent on warehouses, all of this stuff. Very expensive, but <laughs> but necessary. It yeah, is you, necessary for me. You know, I, I gotta sure. I gotta have space for this stuff. Uh, so um, <laughs> excuse me. Anyway, yeah, he he did ISOM. He, he launched ISOM. I he did send me the character designs, uh, before anyone else. Uh, and I just looked That's at it. Way, and was is like, it your fault? You knew about the ISOM trademark. You didn't stop him. Well, I like he wouldn't <laughs> tell me anything. Just like kidding. this is the thing. Like yeah, no, but I mean seriously, like legit you know it's like well why is he called isom and it's like well you'll see and i'm like <laughs> like what do you mean like what does that mean and as it turns out it's just you know that's his name that's the answer why is he called isom well my it's my grandfather great 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 grandfather's name i wanted to name my character isom that's all you need to say so that's his name but there was this mystery about it so because there was mystery about it whole lot of people back then including me were looking on the internet like what is isom like what does it mean you know people had theories but the number one thing that comes up when you search isom on the internet is the international school of ministry True. and then you see the cross on the character's belt and i've seen the character design before anyone else pretty much and so i went oh is he working with the uh and i really believe this this is no joke i, I was just like uh, is he working with the international school of ministry he must have a deal with them to do this. That makes sense. That's cool. He's probably got a lot of money in this. He got some investors. Yeah, great. 
And a lot of people thought that because that's what happens when you type up ISOM. And he didn't just say, no, it has nothing to do. It's my grandfather's name. It's family name. That's all, that's all he really needed to say. So there was some confusion about that. But everything was really, really top secret. Uh, and the, the book came out and I, I did get a copy of it and I read it and I just thought, you know, it it's not making comic books is not easy. Like the art of storytelling isn't easy. That's the part. Yeah. I mean, the art and everything obviously key, but telling a story is not as easy as people think, right? A good story. Well, the art is easy because you just get a Brazilian to do it. You know, there's, a, <laughs> there's something called Glasshouse Studios. Uh, there are a lot of studios like this and they hit me up all the time because I've got a comic book company and you get these guys who text you in, or message you in broken English like, uh, uh, Mr. Van Skyver, we have lots of artists you will like, uh, you know, and then you have a list of links that you can click down and you can choose one of these guys who's like drawing in various, do you like Dale Keown's art? I got a guy who draws just like Dale Keown, you know, and it's some guy that you never heard of, bootleg Kroger brand Dale Keown, you know, you can get that pretty cheap. So uh, that you can do that. I mean, that's a that's one way to make comics. The thing is, writing comics uh, is not easy. I'm I'm writing for the first time. I've been drawing my whole life, but but I, I I feel like I'm a pretty good storyteller, and I understand story, and I know how difficult it is. The more you uh, learn about how to tell stories, you you realize uh, how bad you suck at it, and yeah, the more you need right. to learn. You know, it's like it, it's not something that comes naturally for anyone. There are people who are good at telling stories. You are. You know, not not necessarily writing stories. I don't know if you do that, but when you get on the, the computer and you go, this is what happened today, you know, you have yeah, to communicate to an no, audience. Writing and talking. So you, uh, it's two different mediums. I have done some, I used to be a blogger, but um, back in the way back in the Gamergate days. Um, but first off, blogging is different than long form writing anyway and storytelling, but um, it's totally different to tell a story. And there are different beats and different things you want to do when you're telling a story. Uh, but, but writing it, uh, you're never as good as, you're, as you think you are. Let's just put it that way. Like you said, you always have something to, to learn. Uh, you're going to hear it from people. Like yeah. you're going to hear criticism. Yeah, as an artist, yeah, I heard it too. Like, you know, I. Uh, all these comic book artists are the best fucking comic book artists, the best artists in their high school. You know what I mean? Like I was the best artist in the high school and, you know, big fish in a small pond and then a microscopic fish in a gigantic pond uh, full of like sharks. Like when you get into the comic book industry and they'll eat you up and they'll tell you, you know, you're not as good as you think you are. And they'll laugh at your artwork and you have to either uh, learn how to deal with that criticism and grow or you die. It's one of those two things, you know, you got to kind of be a little bit humble and you've got to learn to accept criticism. And by the way, you're <laughs> you're going to get good criticism from people who hate you. And that's the thing that's really, really tough to understand and to internalize. It's like uh, my mom isn't going to give me my best criticism because she loves me. Well, I trust my mom. I'm going to listen to what my mom has to tell me about my work because I love my mom and I know she means she wants the best for me. Well. She's not going to tell me the truth or she doesn't really know as well as somebody who fucking hates me and thinks my work sucks and I don't deserve to be here. They're going to tell me the truth. They're going to actually give me information that's going to help me get better, you know? Yeah. And you have so, to parse it out from like just the rabbit haters or just hating just to hate. And then even them, sometimes they'll say something like that. You should take on board. Uh, really? It's hard to take it on board. Uh, sometimes, like you said, but, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's you got to separate yourself from it. Yeah. It's, it's not, don't take it personally. It's not, it's your art. It's the thing that you're making. It's not you, you know, you don't have to go 
you know, they they hate me. No, it's the art that you're making. So it's the story that you're telling. It, if somebody has a problem with it, and yet the other thing is, not all criticism is good criticism. Some of it just is stupid. Yeah, you, you have to be able to be honest with yourself and recognize, oh yeah, this guy made a good point. Like I was unclear here. I, you know, there was a reason why. Uh, I needed to explain what this character's motivation was a little bit better here because I knew it, but I didn't explain it. I didn't justify this character's action in the story. You're going to get critic uh, uh, critiques like that that are important. So <clears throat> I, uh, I I thought Isom number one was a, a good first effort, but yeah, it was very dry. You know, it felt like uh, the pilot episode of a TV show that wasn't going to get picked up. Uh, and, uh, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't terrible. It just wasn't, it wasn't good. It was a, just a good first effort. So I was generally supportive and I, I had this idea that, you know, Eric was going to behave kind of like the way my friends in Comicsgate behave, which is to take criticism and be like, look, dude, it's all about the story here. You know, if I, so I'm on like the yellow flash show, yellow flash cast <laughs> and I'm on there. I guess I'm on there with Eric July because Dick Masterson had been with Ricada and somebody named Nina Infinity on a stream. And they had this whole conflict where it was like Dick Masterson said something like, well, listen, the whole thing seems like a scam to me because I don't think he can write. I'm pretty sure the book sucks. Uh, and Nina said, you didn't read it. And she he goes, did you read it? And she goes, no. <laughs> and he's like, okay, so neither of us read it. Uh, and you need to read it and I'll read it and then I'll come back with my critique. Well, lo and behold, uh, you know, Dick Masterson went back and read it uh, and he came back with um, a solid bog standard kind of critique of the book, of the story. The kind that you would get from somebody, anyone who was assigned to read a movie script yes. in Hollywood on behalf of a producer or director. Very just basic, honest notes. And um, it was great. I like I read him and I was like, Dick knows what he's talking about. I didn't know Dick was smart. You know, like, I mean, I knew he was smart. I didn't know he was creative like this, but he is. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I thought that was cool. Uh, and, uh, you know, um, I actually I wrote to him. I said, these are good notes. I said, will you read my book? And he says, oh, yeah, yeah. It's really super nice to me. I sent him my book and he went through it and he chopped it up and he sent me back equally good criticism, which I, I think he liked Cyberfrog better than he liked Islam. But uh, the criticism was really, really good. And I, I was like, great, I'm going to take all this on board for next time. So um, anyway, uh, he came back with this criticism and I, I watched because I thought Eric would either ignore it uh, or just say what you're supposed to say, which is, you know, thanks. Hey, good notes. Thanks. You know what I mean? It's just like, that's all you really need to say. But instead he had this stream where like he he started calling him a retard uh and he, he started going through these the notes and and sort of just presenting pieces of the notes fragments of the note trying to debunk what was an honestly really good critique uh and i thought that was um a, a bad look you know what i mean for somebody who was making a lot of money and doing comics and shouldn't have really cared that much about his pride or how, you know, the idea that his story wasn't perfect. Of course, your story is not perfect. I mean, you should understand that and, and learn. But he was so angry at this guy that he refused to take the criticism to heart. And so we got on the, a live stream together and I was trying to explain this to Eric 
and he was just like, uh, I'm on Flashcast. You can still see this, I think, somewhere, probably on YouTube somewhere. But I'm trying to explain to him, I'm just like, uh, like, there's no such thing as good faith or bad faith criticism. That isn't a thing. You can't just say that's an SJWism. I, I, when you watch SJWs, they go, he'd never debate us in, in good faith. And that's why we must not ever debate anyone from Comicsgate. And it's like, that's, that's a way of saying, I don't, I'm dismissing any of their ideas without even hearing them or having to confront them or debate them because of something called bad faith. Like they don't, they mean you harm and therefore uh, we mustn't uh, listen to their ideas. Uh, and it's bullshit. <clears throat> there's no such thing. There's good criticism and there's bad criticism. There's valid criticism and there's invalid criticism. And both can come from people ultimately that like you or hate you. So uh, I was trying to explain this to him. He's getting mad at me. He's like, no, no, man. He's like, you don't understand. I don't have to listen to these guys. These guys are coming from a place of bad faith and they're retarded. I was like, Dick Masterson's not retarded, dude. He's, I'm sorry, but like, he's got a pretty high IQ. He may like he may be like a king troll and all these things, but he, he's not stupid. Uh, he's not retarded. You should actually look at the notes, and you don't have to. You don't even have to say anything. Like if you said, "I'm not going to react to them," that would be fine. But you did react to them, so now that's out the window. So uh, anyway, Dick Masterson shows up, and the two of them just have this incredible like. You again watch this video, this back and forth where. Uh, Eric just shuts down. He's angry at having somebody criticize him. And I, I I was just sitting there like, shit, here's the situation now. All of a good percentage of my supporters love Eric July. Um, but I know he's wrong here. And I know his attitude is detrimental to the indie comics movement that I'm shepherding. So if I open my mouth and say anything in this situation, I got to be careful because a lot of my fans are really charmed by this guy. And he's saying things that are really, really harmful to art, which is what I care about here. I'm trying to make stories and I'm trying to get other people to do the same thing. If we're going to actually, if we're going to have any effect on the culture war at all, right? The, the only way we can do that is to create stories that become movies. Uh, that stand in every now and then for Disney shit. You know, these these uh, properties, these IPs that have been cucked by uh, leftists. We hold on to our stuff. You know, we, we, we let kids see our stories that don't, you know, that have our values instead of theirs. That's, that's the only way we can really win. And that means we have to learn to tell stories that are good enough to become movies and video games and TV shows. So I'm listening to this, like, <clears throat> good faith, bad faith criticism. And I know the criticism is good. And I just said, I said, Dick, I think the reason why he shut down, he's not listening to is you called his whole business a scam. Uh, and so he's not going to listen to your criticism. Uh, and Dick, like Dick, in a very admirable way, just stopped making fun of Eric and just kind of said, oh. oh, okay, I see. He said, uh, well, I want to apologize for that. I didn't mean to call your business a scam. And Eric just said, whatever, bro. Uh, and that was it. That was it. He, like, he didn't hear the apology. There was like a, a real genuine apology there where, you know, Dick was like, wait, I'm actually trying to impart like helpful criticism to you, but you're angry with me because, yeah, I did attack your business. Uh, and so maybe I better apologize for that and we can move on. But 
it didn't really work out that way. And then this whole war started uh, where, uh, you know, <laughs> where we are right now. And I'm like, uh, I guess I'm uh, in between it because my appearance on that show led to me getting a text from Eric July, uh, which <clears throat> I, uh, which in essence said, this was like uh, right after the show. I think Vito showed up in my chat and I brought him on real quick and made fun of him and then kicked him off of the chat. But me allowing him on my show pissed Eric July off. And I got this text from him, which said, uh, I could probably call it up and I'll read it. I shouldn't like try to paraphrase it. That would be dishonest and unfair. Yeah, that's fine. I, I saw it, but yeah, you should, you should read it. Um, somebody in chat said maybe you disrespected him. That's that's uh, something that Isom doesn't take very kindly to either. It's <laughs> uh, very funny. <laughs> yeah, like the thing about it is, is one of the things that Dick points out is that like your character is your protagonist. Like Isom is is the protagonist of the story, and so <clears throat> even if he's a badass and he's doing bad things, we need to understand why he's doing it. There has to be a good reason for him to do it. You look at Breaking Bad, you look at Tony Soprano from The Sopranos. These are villains who are doing criminal acts. Right. But for some reason, we're, we're with them because we understand why they're doing the things that they're well, doing. They're anti-heroes, basically. Or, right? right. Like, yeah, they're bad guys. I mean, <laughs> Tony Soprano, you root for him. He's a piece. He's a complete piece of shit. He's a piece right? of shit. Yeah, it's really it's a great like it's a great like con job that David Chase plays with that entire yes. show because what the he <clears throat> the end of the series spoiler alert the screen goes black and basically he's murdered us like he's he's uh he's done to us what tony soprano did to so many other people he pulled the plug on them that's what being murdered is you know it's like you don't get the ending that you want or you think you deserve it's just lights out that's it sorry and you feel like holy shit i, I was stolen from some they took something from me right uh, well, that's what Tony did to all of these people uh, that you watched him kill. And now it was done to you. And how do you feel? And the whole, like the fucking the entire Sopranos watching world was outraged. I watched and that was, and I was outraged. Yeah, yeah that's exactly <laughs> right. David Chase said, you watched this guy murder all these people and you were on his side. And now you know what it's like to not get the ending that you deserve. That's what being murdered is. And I've just murdered Tony Soprano. You get nothing. That's it was such a smart, like that's great storytelling to the point where it's meta. It affects it affects you. Like it actually affects you how you I love feel. The Sopranos so much, by the way. And also Mad Men. Don Draper's a complete piece of shit. Uh throughout the yeah. show, if you've ever seen Mad Men. But there's I a reason he's a I do too. Uh of course that's Matt Weiner who was understudy for David Chase. But whatever. Uh yeah, Mad Men, but Don Draper, I mean, but they have all these reasons why he's fucked up, right? Like if you've seen the show, there's all of kinds course. of reasons why he's completely Broken, you're right? following his story and you understand <laughs> why he's doing yeah. what he's doing that's that's all this you know so right it needs to be something other than this guy disrespected him <laughs> because you know fuck you like so what like like you got disrespected you know it's like uh you don't get to go in there and, and beat everybody up like that's not anything that any kind of hero anti-hero or actual hero would do nobody can relate to that so it goes to the case of like motivation but what did he text you so I got this text. It says, I'm going to be a hunter with you and not be public with this. This was on August 10th. You going out of your way to play middle of the road publicly with a dude that has gone out of his way to work overtime to publicly defame his whack. 
I love the way he writes, man. He's keeping it one. He's keeping it a hundred, though. So (laughs) you know, he just telling how it is. It's whack. It's whack. (laughs) It's even weaker that you lend credence to their narrative. I treat you like anybody uh, else in this space. Well, he says, I treat you like I do anybody else in this space. And then I do not use my platform to amplify narratives that go against others I'm cool with. Everybody I do shows slash streams knows not to bring up any gripes with people I'm cool with, uh, as I will not give it the time of day. I'm going to start reciprocating on that. If you want to chat about that, you're free to call. So I said, yeah, we better talk. And he said, be that. Which I think he meant. I think he meant to say bet, bet that, right? Yeah, bet that. Yeah. <laughs> bet, bet that. <laughs> so uh, hold on a second. Let me get my water. Uh, so anyway, I did call him up. We talked about it. But uh, that was a threat. Like, that was basically saying uh, to me. I said to him, I said, dude, like, he's like, that wasn't a threat. I'm like, hey, you're from Texas. I'm from fucking New Jersey. I know what a threat sounds like. I know what an actual threat is. A threat is. Uh, you will be uh, purchasing our product, uh, and your business is going to do real well. If you're if you're running your pizzeria here in uh, uh, you know here in Marlton, New Jersey, like uh, you you will be buying straws and napkins from these companies, and then your business is going to do great magically. It's a threat, okay? That's that's what that is. So you telling me that unless I uh, kind of turn my back uh, on what I believe, my opinions. Uh, people who I think are saying things that I agree with uh, and just go along with whatever it is that you're, you know, that you need uh, me to say, uh, I'm going to have some trouble with other YouTubers and influencers. My business is going to suffer in some way. Well, that's a threat, son. And I don't know you like that. Like, we're not, we're not friends. I don't know you. I never met you. I'll help you with your comic book. But like, if you think I'm going to get in line and be on the ISOM train, uh, you got another thing coming. I got a little something called All Caps Comics and Cyber Frog. So uh, <clears throat> that didn't, uh, I, I kind of, we, we talked about it and I said, maybe it's bad for business if the two of us are fighting. Uh, so why don't we just chill with this shit? He said, that's all I wanted to hear. So, uh, you know, uh, I sat with that for like two months, like, fuck, you know, like angry about that, you know. Like, uh, just the reality is, of course, like, look, I got an autistic daughter, okay, uh, who's seven years old. I got a wife. I got a mortgage. I got bills to pay. I don't want to be in these gay wars. Like, I'm, I'm doing good. Cyberfrog's doing good. We're making money. I got I to gotta have a nest egg for my daughter for when I'm not here and she needs care. <clears throat> I don't have time to be playing these games. But at the same time, like, what am I doing this for? Like, I'm, I'm pr- my entire thing with Comicsgate is promoting the idea that indie comics should be working towards a whole lot of people learning how to tell stories independently on their own terms so that they can possibly make things different. Marvel and DC are never going to change. Image Comics is never going to change. Disney's never going to change. Warner Brothers is never going to change. So somebody's got to be out there fearlessly and without consequences telling stories that could someday uh, be the next Lord of the Rings, possibly. That sounds crazy, but who was J.R.R. Tolkien? He's just a guy who had a story to tell, uh, and then 100 years later, you know, it's legend. I mean, it's everybody knows it. It's really important. Uh, you got to plant seeds to to make the, these forests, uh, you know, which is what I think I, I want to do. I want everybody to be planting these seeds. So uh, to hear this poisonous idea about nobody can criticize unless they do it from a place of good faith, which to me means ass-kissing, 
or fear. Uh, I, uh, I can't abide this. So then what it was, was I saw Nick Ricada and him have a talk. I saw that. And there was this whole thing where Nick Ricada was just like, uh, I don't talk to Nick very much. Like I've, I've spoken to Nick recently a lot more because I think we both agree about this, but, uh, you know, cause I appeared on his show when I saw it. he was like, um, there's a blacklist with our July. <laughs> like he has a list of people who, uh, I don't know what, what's, what's his list. What does that mean? Uh, well, who's on his list? People, his detractor list. Uh, and I, I, he's like, and there are a lot of people on it that you wouldn't believe. And I've son, I've since learned some of the people who are on the list. And he's I was got like, a list like Nixon an enemy's yeah, list. <laughs> the enemy's list. And I said, I know for fuck sure. I am on that list. I know that. Cause I just, I mean, I just said, look, dude, like, sir, like I've been doing this for 30 years. Like I've been in comics, whether or not comics are important to you. I want you to understand. There are a lot of people in the chat. They're like, fuck comics. What comics? What is this? It's my whole, my whole life. It's my career. Okay. I've been doing this for 30 years. I've been making a living for 30 years, uh, doing comic books. And I, I know a little something, something about something. I know about this. I know about uh, that I can help people. Uh, so uh, it's very important to me. And the fact that I've been canceled and, you know, all of the all of the stuff that comes along with being comic skate makes it extra special, uh, extra especially important to me. So uh, I'm watching this and this just seems like a cancer. Like uh, it really seems like a cancer to me, like that's going to grow uh, unless somebody speaks out and everybody seems afraid. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of grumbling. There's a lot of kind of side comments and a lot of this and that. Um, but everybody just seems afraid because, again, like it's going to be uh, the consequences could be what they are. So uh, when when Nick started all this stuff, then he got drunk and he just uh, he went off. He had uh, Eric on the show and I mean, just exposed Eric for like uh, that was that was Expose him as a moron, basically. Uh, if you I don't, I, I don't want to use that word. But well, that was I mean, something. well, it was lacking compared to Ricardo. <laughs> let's just put it that way. It was, it was pretty bad in, in my opinion. Well, the only see the only reason why that happened was because he was making these videos calling Nick Ricardo a coward and a liar and all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Nick's like, I got to do a live stream and I got to defend myself. And you know, Eric shows up on the live, like, let me in there. I want to talk to you. It's like you started this. Like, all of this is you starting this. Uh, so, uh, anyway, I was just like, look, I'm sitting on some information here. And I, I got to get, like, I can't live with myself knowing that, like, I just got threatened, you know, essentially in this text message. So, uh, I, I mentioned it on my live stream. I said, by the way, guys, you know, I just want to tell you, like, I, I didn't tell you this before. I, I tell you guys everything. I kept this from you. Like, I got a threat from Eric July back in August telling me that I better get in line and be super 100% on his side or I'm going to face consequences with a bunch of like fucking zeros with the Phantom Menace uh, who, uh, who want, who hate me and want me taken out. Uh, listen, I, uh, I just want to let you know, that's a thing. And somebody went on his live stream the next day and said, Ethan says that you sent him a threat to uh, text that threatened him and Eric denied it. And right at that moment, I just saw Eric was live stream and I went in there and I saw he was talking about me. His chat was lit up with my name. Uh, and he said, I didn't send him no threat. And I said, uh, I got receipts. He said, it didn't happen. And I said, here they come. And I posted it on Twitter. 
And oh, he really? Went, so, I, you know, he tried to portray like you leaked that or something. Well, he was challenging your account there. Okay, well, that's a totally different story. I oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Well, people are also like, uh, you shouldn't be leaking DMs. I agree. I don't leak DMs. I don't do that. The only time I'll do that is if somebody sends me a threat. Uh, and I've done that consistently. SJW send me threats, death threats, I leak them. There are a lot of people who go, I'm receiving death threats right now. It's like, show me. Why wouldn't you show those? If anybody is sending you a fucking death threat, you fucking liar, put it up and let people see it. Expose, what are you protecting these people for? I've always said that. I've been consistent about that. When you receive threats, you expose people and they'll stop sending you threats. So you have this threat and I just, uh, you know, I, I will show that. I don't owe you protection. I didn't ask to receive this threat. How long are we supposed to like uh, sit on uh, DMs, private messages, text? Can I just write to uh, to somebody and be like, I'm coming over there to kill your fucking family? And then you sit there and you like, you've got to protect. When you post it, I go, what, you, you pussy? You, you showed off my DMs to you. Like, no, somebody threatens you. You go ahead and show people. Simple as that. You've lost uh, your gay privileges to privacy. So uh, I did show it. Uh, and uh, that that blew up. That was like World War. People saying people misinterpreting it, saying it wasn't a threat. It clearly was. Other people seeing it for what it was, and battle lines are drawn now. So uh, that's where I think that's where we are. Uh, and uh, you know, there's it's also really bad because uh, you know um, his campaigns are falling. Like I mean, the, the funding is is just it's taking a hit it's taking a piece out of him this time I, you can just tell by the by the numbers and the reaction um i mean he's still getting support but i i think this has actually harmed him uh at the beginning i didn't think that at all right i was like oh this is kind of i wasn't i didn't i wasn't that invested but the more he it's drug on the more he's carried it on and made all these videos about it and i could see one or two but i just don't think it's good Especially when, you know, he's making a lot of money, right? And he has a, um, he's trying to have a big tent and a, and a big thing going, not a, not a niche thing going. And I, I think it's actually harmed him. I don't know. I'm not sure what's going on. I, I just think that like, um, there's a lot of stress there and I, I can understand that I sympathize because running a business is stressful. He's got tremendous overhead. Uh, he uh, initially started out his business promising transparency. I told him, Eric, like, you don't owe anyone <laughs> any to see your financials. You got to be kidding me. Like, uh, no, I we have different values, Ethan. I'm going to show people my financials. I'm like, no, like, seriously, Eric, like, if you're going to, like, listen to me about anything, make it be this thing. Do not show people your financials. Well, we have different values. It's important. So he revealed. <laughs> He revealed that he's paying like $18,000 a month in rent on his warehouse. I re I'll reveal that mine is $3,500 a month, and it's almost as big as his. I mean, it's like... I, I saw that, and I was like, $18,000 a month just in warehouse money? I mean, anybody can do the, the, the math on that. <laughs> you're paying 15 people full-time salaries to work in that warehouse. You are overprinting your comic books to the point where you're taking a guess about what the print run is. See, this is why you crowdfund. Crowdfunding is great because, hey, you don't have to lay out any of your own money. It's perfect. You don't have to take out a loan. You don't do any of that. You just say, you, you want me to make this thing? I have an idea. Uh, if you help me make this thing, I'll send you one. Give me 25 bucks. 
Uh, and then, you know, like I, I know how many copies of CyberFrog 3 I need to print because of pre-orders. And I can pay myself because they've already paid me to make the book. So crowdfunding is excellent. It's a dream come true. I don't know why anybody wants to change that, but he does. Like, he's like, I want to, you know, I'll have the books ready. They're going to be ready. I, I'm going to put my own money into it. Well, I mean, the problem is, is that you don't know how many books that you're going to sell. So you, you overordered by 100%. And now, like, you've got to, yeah, you need a warehouse. You've got to store all these books. And by the way, like. You could just give them to charity. <laughs> you can give them to <laughs> By the way, yeah, it's like, uh, you know, uh, they're not. Here's the thing. As a businessman in comics here, you know, when I when I have a cyber frog book, I learned this from Robert Kirkman of The Walking Dead, the guy that created The Walking Dead. This guy's a billionaire now, all right? Came from comics. And uh, I used to know him. We used to be friendly. Uh, back when we were, he was just a comic book guy, he didn't have a TV show yet. But he said, look, I own Walking Dead. So I have Walking Dead number one. It's already been out. Uh, I will reprint Walking Dead over and over again. I keep the print run small so they sell through. And then I get six issues and I put out a trade paperback. I keep that in print, keep it in print, keep it in print. And then I get three trade paperbacks where the material and I make a hardcover collection of those three trade paperbacks. Keep that in print. You're constantly keeping the same material in print. You're not overprinting the first book by 100% and trying to sell the same book because I'm the kind of guy who loves The Walking Dead so much that I'll buy the magazine. Oh, it's a, now it's a trade. I'll buy that too. Oh, and now it's a hardcover. I'll buy that too. Uh, so now I bought the book three times. You know what I mean? Whereas I'm not going to buy the same book three times. This is just basic business. Like this is understanding how comic book collectors think. So, you know, you want to, you want to print to order, uh, maybe, maybe 5% above that sell through and then say, guys, we sold out, sold out issue one. We got to do a new number one, a brand new cover uh, to get more books in that. And now you got the same audience buying the book over again. That's how comics work. You know, you don't want to be sitting on all of the same thing that people already have. Uh, so uh, anyway, you know, all this stuff together, you're revealing all this, all these financials. And it's just like, God damn, dude, your, your, your overhead is 350 to $500,000 a quarter. Uh, that ain't going to last. And that's not including paying the creators to make the comics. You know, that like that's. That's a lot. And, and nobody needed to know that except you, you put it out there. Like, you know, you, you, you know, your first book is a big hit, but like things are going to backslide a little bit. They're going to, you're going to find out like, you know, wh what your comic book reading audience really is rather than people that want to support, just support you. They, they really like you. They want your business to do well. So a lot of people bought the first book, but how many of them are going to read a comic book for years? You're going to find out what that number actually is pretty soon. It's going to, your numbers are going to have, and they're going to have again, and they're going to have again. But you, mark my words. And I, I, you know, told him this. Uh, and uh, so far, it's all kind of coming true. It's not going to grow the way that you think it really is. Um, and I guess, like, he's going to, he's got a plan. He's going to do uh, some animation and stuff. I, I wish him well. I hope the animation does well. He's doing well. a video game, too. I don't know if he's, well, he, uh, well, he was talking about possibly doing it. He said, what I would like to do if I could have a video game. I yeah. don't think he's got a video game deal. No. <laughs> but I mean, maybe he does. I don't know. You know, that would be, that game be great. That sounded too. a little disjointed, too. I, 
if you've, I've been a, a video gamer my whole life. It sounded a little ambitious. Let's just put it that way. Um, but yeah, okay, that was a pretty good uh, explainer there uh, on Eric July, and and uh, yeah, I, I don't see how he can sustain himself going like with that big of an outlay, and um, I, I I don't know, um, you know, you you, t- you talked about it um, throughout, like he's he's been resistant to any kind of critique, and by putting your numbers out, you just give people a way to. Um, attack you you just reveal too much like it's a it's a private operation too he has no responsibility to put his numbers out like that's not like a public no nobody like i said to him you're not even crowdfunding like i would have more of a like it would make more sense to, for me to put my numbers out since it's crowdfunding yeah. so it's like this is where your money is yeah it's right that, here in this. yeah i can understand <clears> but that. some people do that with crowdfunding but his is not it's not like that right it's like, yeah right like it's you bought the book from him yeah the books already exist it's it's not your money anymore it's his money now so he doesn't have to tell you shit that's what i told him and he was just like yeah and this he's is like i can't be can like steal. That. that's not right or do something um uh, no you know, once i buy something the bounds, it's, it's just like why are you revealing your books in the first <laughs> right. place right like that's when i buy something order. from target it's not my yeah. money anymore and it's none of my business what they do with my money or their money that they got from me not my business simple as that so uh yeah it's, it's a very strange thing and i you know Listen, I'm at this point, you know, listen, I'm, I'm persona non grata to that crowd. It's awful. It's just awful. And uh, the quartering's not sending you a Christmas card this year. Uh, I saw. Does he send Christmas cards? I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, I've never gotten one of those. So that'd be great. You know, it's funny because somebody sent me a question on Twitter. I'll, I'll roll through some of these questions. I don't know. I, I did see the quartering um, said a few things about it and uh, whatever you need, Eric. You know, I saw that tweet. Uh, when Dick Masterson, you know, he, he claimed that Dick and Vito had set him up on this lawsuit, which they didn't, but whatever. Um, okay, let me go back through. So here. that lawsuit, let me just say yes, something about see, that. There's, yeah, there's this idea that that lawsuit popped up within two days. And let me just dispel that myth. Um, takes a while to put a lawsuit together. It's like, it's like the FBI putting together a case. Uh, they didn't just decide on the spur of the moment to write up this excellent lawsuit and serve it or not serve it or threaten Eric or not. They've been watching for like a year. These people are not, they they own the trademark of ISOM. It's their obligation to defend it. So one day they must have typed it into the Google search and all of this came up and they said, what the fuck is this? And then put their lawyers on it and their lawyers have been watching all of this happen for a year. And something triggered the point that they pulled the trigger on that. Something happened where they just went, all right, we're going to we're going to go ahead and we're going to launch this lawsuit. We're going to send him the official like here it is. Uh, I don't know what that event was. It could have been the troll who sent the message uh, that said uh, there's some confusion here. But maybe it wasn't. Nobody really knows. And in any case. What was that troll's name? Obtuse Gnome. Yeah, message could have been that. Maybe not. Uh, but the point is, it was going to happen anyway. It didn't matter. Uh, they they don't care about internet games. You know, it wasn't about being tricked into launching that lawsuit. Like that that shit was going to happen. I mean, I'm involved in uh, trademark lawcraft too right now. I pretty I have a pretty good understanding. I'm no lawyer, but a pretty good understanding of how this how this kind of thing works. They have to defend their trademark. They have no choice, and they knew about it because they look for ISOM on Google. They, they look to see if anybody else is using the word ISOM uh, in business in a way that might be confusing. They knew about this a long time ago. 
Yeah, they they obviously did. Um, it right. wasn't Dick and Vito. I mean, that's oh, all I'm trying to say. Yeah, well, he put out the video and he uh, basically mm -hmm. changed his claim when he went on with Ricada. He's like, "Oh, I didn't say it was them." And it's, well, I mean, you basically did uh, with that video that he put out on Twitter. I think he put it on YouTube as well. Um, all right, let me read. Okay, let's see. North says, "Sorry, I only just arrived." Then on the smash in Manchester. Then he asked this. You can decline to answer or not, but it is a question from our historical lore that I usually don't ask anymore unless people super chat it in. Uh, but he <laughs> wanted me to ask, uh, who would you rather meet, um, Adolf Hitler or Prince the singer? And I don't know if you've been asked this question on the show or not before. So That's a great question. Yeah. Can I meet both of them together at the same time? No, uh, you have to pick one. Uh, the quartering picked Hitler. Very quickly, actually, since he came up earlier, he has one of the quickest uh, Hitler responses uh, in Killstream history. A lot of people pick Prince, uh, including people you think might pick Hitler, because uh, you know. Prince Why Prince pretty... though? Why not anybody else? Like, <laughs> I, what, I don't remember John how. Lennon I think Hitler. somebody super chatted this in once. It's like the dichotomy of man or something. I, I don't know why why Prince. If it's Michael Jackson too, like if it's not Michael Jackson either. It's Prince. Prince is amazing himself. Um, but it's not the king of pop. It, it's Prince versus versus. Hitler. I'll be honest. I I I like both of them about the same. Uh, you know, I I don't <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, so it's a hard choice. If it was Michael uh, Jack, if it was the king of pop, if it was Michael Jackson, I'd meet Michael Jackson. Yeah, yeah. and I'd say, where are those kids? Where are those <laughs> fucking kids? Oh, he's innocent. That was a frame up. All right, now let me. Sure. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Then North says, "I've had a few beers, so everyone." is something and then he says um thank you i won't read that part all right <laughs> uh okay thank you for that one i see you sending a video too and i'll play that uh after uh real wicked wally says overprinting is why the market crashed in the early 90s everyone bought a bought new number ones and foil covers expecting them to appreciate and value but value but marvel saturated the market with them what do you say to that yeah i mean that's that's true like you know you want to just you you don't want too many books out there uh you don't want it sounds like um the opposite should be true sounds counterintuitive but we just did a book uh, uh i had my friend john malin who did a story for me uh and it was called black riding hood it was the red riding that. hood story yeah but but the cover you know, it looks little... amazing by the way I, I saw it and i was looking at it you said you were it's sold out legit yeah well the reason why is because we just said look you got two weeks to order this and it's a little black kid in the hood uh, and all the the gang members are werewolves and that's it's fucking it's menace to society meets the howling it's so fucking cool and the n-word is on every page at least once so like uh we we published it under comic skate arena which is complete and total creative freedom we don't as long as there's no kitty diddling yeah, yeah, or anything yeah. like that we're, we're cool with almost anything so we'll publish it uh <clears throat> and we said okay you have two weeks to buy this that's it 20 bucks a piece and we're printing the order so uh once once we're done in two weeks that's it they had two weeks we sold 1400 like 1200 and something copies of it i printed 1400 copies i distributed the 1200 and change to the people who ordered them i printed a hundred extra of them for john to sell at a big huge markup hey guess what a lot of people are going i missed the two weeks i, I where do i get the book well it's a seller's market now asshole. uh you know uh <laughs> whoever has the book can charge whatever they want for it because everybody wants the book and there aren't any more of them. <clears throat> That's how to make comic books work. That's how to make collectible comic books work. 
people love the story idea. They can't believe the N-words in it. They want the comic book. The art looks great. The concept is cool. And there aren't that many of them. Boom. We got a hit. And, and people are calling it on mainstream comic book channels. The hot 10, number one hottest comic book of last week. Yeah, I saw it. Uh, and, you know, like I said, I don't uh, purchase a ton of comics, uh, especially nowadays. Uh, but I saw it and I was like, man, that looks cool. I wouldn't... <laughs> And also because people, also because there are no more too. Uh, that's there's something in your brain uh, that when like it, there's scarcity, and then you're like, I kind of called want FOMO. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's like, like fear I, of missing well, fuck, out. I want to read it now. Like, I wasn't thinking about it before. This cover looks sick, and there are no and more. Now, like, well, I wonder if I can it, get one. Yeah, somebody, yeah, I know somebody's on eBay selling it for a hundred bucks. Like they made. Tell me what stock to buy right now, uh, where you can flip that in two weeks and make five times your money. Like well, uh, GameStop doesn't come around every day. Well, I saw they were doing uh, gangbusters with Isom uh, resells on on uh, eBay, so that that's an avenue too. <laughs> yeah, they're not doing so well because everybody knows you can get them. There's yeah. so many. That's what the yeah. problem is. Uh, and honestly, I feel bad. I shouldn't make that joke, but I couldn't help it but see it because Dick Masterson's, you know, tweeting these uh, examples out uh, and stuff like that. But, you know, you see people dropped a lot of money uh, thinking they were an investment type deal and it didn't pan out. It went the other way. Uh, yeah. So, uh, all right, let me read through some of these questions on Twitter. If you have more questions in the super chat, send them in. Powerchat.live slash the Ralph Retort, Rumble Rants, all that stuff. Uh, okay. Text to harm on Twitter, a scratch point, part of Killstream lore as well. He says, how many warehouses does he think would be necessary to run a successful comic book business? <laughs> Me? Yeah. Uh, I, I think zero warehouses. <laughs> I think really you, you only need a warehouse, especially not at our scale. Like we're just one, two, three, four comic books a year. is not It's nothing. You can do that in your garage, even selling big numbers like he is. Uh, you, need a, you need a warehouse when you're, when you're selling toys. To take up a lot of space like this and that's that's about it by the way shogun's saying his copy fresh copy of blood honey he says worth is that true worth a thousand dollars or is he just bullshitting in the chat i see i don't i haven't seen it for a thousand but yeah blood honey number one goes for a hundred or sometimes two hundred dollars yeah okay uh all right now let's see uh okay where am i um okay uh jacuzzi says what would your ideal black superhero look like uh, let me see. My ideal black superhero would be Black Riding Hood, man. That kid is awesome. So instead of a basket full of, uh, you know, goodies, he's got a basket full of Uzis, Mac-10s, uh, fucking, like, you know, awesome. It's an awesome kid. All right, here goes a question from Atomic Denny. A little, I mean, I don't think he's care. I don't, he might not be a fan of Vito, but he says, do you like Vito? And then he says... Does he actually watch Mint Salad and Riley's video? Shout out to them. I made peace with them. I, I like them, actually. Uh, do you actually watch Mint Salad slash Riley's videos, or were you just trying to capitalize off the Eric July drama? I think you kind of explained that pretty deeply, but you can take that, too, if you want. Uh, Vito has never been, uh, first of all, uh, I, I think I said on the same flashcast, uh, Vito's got this reputation. People call him Vito the Pedo. It's too bad his name rhymes with Pedo. It dude. does That's rhyme. So That's tough. It's so bad. You can't escape it. It's so convenient. But like he made the mistake of like leaning into yeah, uh, an insult that is look. And I man. saw him I, last night. I'm gonna admit I laughed at this. He tweeted out "Cuties 2 casting director hat. And I mean, <laughs> I admit I laughed when I saw it. But it was almost like I can't, I was also laughing just because I can't believe Vito. Stop tweeted it, that. Vito! I was like, dude, what the fuck? That's what I was because thinking. What the 
anyway. Like he cries about it. Like he's like, people think I'm a pedophile. It's like, well, you you make people think that. You want people to think that. So I stuck stuck up for him at one point because like um, a lot of people were saying I was a Nazi because I made Nazi jokes uh, in 2007, you know. And um, like they were self-deprecating Nazi jokes, you know, like, but uh, like, I'm not a Nazi and that really hurt my feelings. Like, uh, please. So anyway, I, I understood, uh, you know, Vito, I said, listen, I, I understand making a, like an edgy joke and then it following you around and there's nothing you can do about it. And I just said, are you a pedophile, Vito? And he said, no, I'm not. I said, all right, well, stop pretending to be a pedophile. And he was like crying. He was like, I will. Uh, and he's still doing it. You know, <laughs> so I mean, so I, I actually like Vito in private messaged me. And after that, and he was just like, thanks for like standing up for me. I don't deserve, you know, yours. I was like, why don't you deserve it? Like, what do you mean you don't deserve it? And he's like, I just hope I don't like let you. I'm like, Vito, are you a fucking pedophile? <laughs> like, why are you saying like, <clears throat> why are you telling me that I should not be telling people that you're not a pedophile? This doesn't make me feel good. Uh, about saying you're not a pedophile you should say thanks for helping people to know that i am not indeed factually a pedophile you hitting me up in private and being like thank you i hope i don't let you down for not for saying you're not a this doesn't make me feel very confident uh in you Vito. you understand uh so uh anyway that's how i feel about Vito. uh and (laughs) maybe maybe god Maybe he meant he didn't deserve it because of his commentary. He didn't think you would defend him because of his. That's what I think. Too. I hope. I hope to God, uh, Ralph, that's what he meant. Because that's fucking. It was insane. Like, I was really scared when he said that to me. I'm like, am I going to find something out that's going to be like. Later on, people are going to be like. Ethan defended him and told us he wasn't a child predator. Uh, Ethan must have known he had children locked up in his basement and buried under his floorboards. And I'd be like, I, I didn't know. He told me he didn't. Uh, so uh, anyway, I don't know. I don't know the truth about Vito, but I do know what it is to, uh, I'm going to assume he's not a pedophile, but uh, I do know what I'm, it is. I assume to... that too, by the way. I want to be clear. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. But I mean, who knows? See, this is the no, thing. Ralph. Like, who knows? Like, I don't know. I don't, I'm not him. I don't know what his, uh, well, who really knows anything, like. right? Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, that's true. But, uh, I'd find it hard to joke about being a pedophile. Like being a Nazi is kind of funny. Uh, but being a pedophile is not funny. So I find like that, like, that's a weird kind of uh, thing to, but I mean, again, you're walking the edge all the time. So that's Vito. Uh, mint salad is, uh, I didn't know anything about mint salad. She started buying up all my stuff. She's like, I, I made fun of her Star Wars video with her big boobies. And she sent me like this message like, no, don't make fun of me. I'm a big fan of yours. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, suddenly I like your big boobies. She's an artist, too. Videos. Oh, she drew the cyber frog. Um, she's really she's swell. Really like, good. Yeah, anyway. yeah, I like her a lot. And then uh, I didn't realize she was uh, related in any way. She's young Clippers. Uh, calls himself young Clipper. His uh, Riley, uh, his girlfriend. And they both came to my warehouse to fuck with me. And it was so funny. Like, I, I really enjoyed, I, I enjoyed meeting them. Uh, they're good kids. They're funny. They, you know, they're. Uh, yeah, we all know. got in a fist fight one time, actually. What uh, the hell? <laughs> what <are> you... <laughs> I think I heard a little something about that. I didn't know yeah. that. I didn't have that context. Yeah, that happened. Uh, but I'm cool with them now. Uh, that was in, that was in the past. And, uh, all right. you know. Uh, I like them. I think, yeah, you know, like look. Them. Uh, I don't see that people are like, I, fucking, we should kill him. 
uh, I don't really see too much of a difference between what he's doing and what Alex Stein is doing. It's just that, you know, he's doing it to our side, you know, and, and to some degree. Like, you know, we have he's uh, he's trolling mutual friends uh, rather than, uh, you know, uh, trans rights activists and uh, Dave Portnoy. So I, I don't know. I mean, I just uh, to me, um, I don't you know, I judge everybody on their own merits. They they come to me. It's, it's basically how you treat me. I'll, I'll, I'll treat you the same way. So they, yeah, they're, I saw they're you cool talking about that in a clip. Uh, was that yesterday or today? I can't remember. Um, but basically, you were, I forget who you were talking to now, but you were like, well, if I'm cool with somebody, um, you know, I'm cool with them individually. Like, I can be cool with people uh, who other friends of mine aren't cool with or other associates of mine aren't cool with, and that's just how uh, I've always operated, and that served me well. And that's how I've always uh, try to operate too. Uh, it can be controversial uh, or cause consternation for some people, though they just can't. It gets you that. kicked out of friend groups. Yeah. But I, I guess I'm just going to take that because, again, you know, my whole co career with Comicsgate started this way. Uh, when uh, I was being called a Nazi, a bigot, a white supremacist, all of the, my peers were telling me that I was killing queer people by voting for Trump. Uh, and trying to get me like fired from DC Comics, which was the only job I knew. I'd, I'd been working there for 20 years. Like they were trying to, I had my my new baby and everything. I like it wasn't good. Uh, and I'm I'm listening to Richard C. Myers' Diversity in Comics, a uh, YouTube show, and I was like, this guy's right. Like this guy's making a lot of good points. So he's got a lot of insight about the comic book industry. From I'll tell you that because I work in the comic book industry. He's right. Uh, and um, I got all these weird messages from people, texts, DMs, private messages from people saying, uh, you need to stop uh, listening to Richard C. Meyer. And I wasn't bragging about it. I, every now and then I would pop up in his chat, you know, like he'd be doing a live stream. And I'd be like, oh yeah, blah, 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 blah. And I'd respond in some way. So people knew I was listening. You need to stop being there. You need to stop listening to this guy. This guy's going to destroy your career. And all these, they, they're night letters. That's what this is. Uh, like, if you want to work here, uh, you know, you need to understand that this guy is responsible for deplatforming and harassing queers. And I was like, oh, suddenly I really like Richard C. Meyer. Uh, so uh, <clears throat> anyway, uh, I said, fuck you to those people, people who I'd known for 20 years. Uh, I'm going to do what I want to do. Um, and I'm not going to be kind of uh, peer pressured or influenced into liking some people or protecting some people or stop associating with some people. Um, uh, that's just going to be me. And even if it happens here within comics, I'm sorry, like I'm going to continue following my own judgment all the time. It's gotten me to where I am now, which is a multimillionaire making frog comic books uh, in the Pine Barrens in New Jersey. Um, not having to listen to anyone's shit. You know, I don't have to. I can do whatever I want to do. Uh, I'm making my own personal uh, little gay dreams come true by making toys of frogs. Uh, and uh, what what makes you think at the age of 50, I'm going to fucking cuck now to you people? I'm just not. So uh, I will continue to follow my own judgment. And don't send me messages telling me who I can associate with and who I can't. It's, it's not going to it's not going to uh, it's not going to win you my friendship or loyalty at all. Just understand. I don't care who you associate with as long as we're cool. You know, at one point people don't know this, but like you were having a little bit of a conflict with a friend of mine Yeah. <clears throat> and I reached out to you and I just said, are we cool? Like, is there a problem with it? Listen, and uh, you're just like, yeah, I don't have a problem with you. 
Uh, and I was just like, yeah, this guy's like a pal of mine, by the way. You know, you're like, I'm just fucking with him. Okay. All right. <laughs> but it's just, I don't like, I, that's not like, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't be an issue. Uh, I think we can get along and we can, you can like some of my friends and dislike some of my friends. As long as we're cool, that's fine. Uh, you know, people are talking about one of these friends of mine who's hanging out with the zeros of Friday night tights. Uh, and uh, those guys don't like me at all. I'm like, I don't really care. Like, he's allowed to do that. Like, I extend that same courtesy to other people. He can hang out with all of my enemies as long as we're still friends, uh, and that's fine, you know. So, um, yeah, that's, it all comes back to that text where it's like, you better watch who you're associating with uh, or there's going to be consequences for you. And my attitude is just, I guess, bring on the consequences. You know, it's like... um I'm so, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm 50 years old. I don't know how old you are, Ralph. I think you're way younger than me. 38. Okay. So when you way, get to be yeah, 50, way younger. Yeah, way, way younger. <laughs> when you get to be 50, try having a bunch of like 30 year olds tell you what to do and try to push you around and see how you react to that. I and mean, it's ridiculous. Well, you're trying to pull your card basically. It's like, well, you're a self, you know, doing your own big things and uh, it's like a grown man thing too it's like you're not pulling my card fuck you uh okay now let me uh let me read some more of the oh i lost my spot where the fuck did it go okay uh ask him about how jeremy the quartering was a <laughs> this is kind of rude by the way uh ask him about how jeremy this is from ragmuff he says ask him about how jeremy the quartering was a know-nothing schlub until he attacked at a magic the gathering convention and that ethan paid his legal bills for the event and now he is a little good for nothing bomb who was saved by uncle e <laughs> that was quite the question yeah you know i don't know if you want to interpret it like that yeah i don't i don't know what happened with me in the quartering I really don't like he got drunk one night and he just started talking all this shit about me. I did raise money to pay his legal bills after he was assaulted by a tranny. Uh, and, uh, you know, cause my attitude was, uh, at the time I look back on that. I guess I wish I didn't do that, but my attitude is always very much like we should be able to go where we want to go. Like, I don't, I don't like the idea of there being no consequences for people. Like if comic skaters show up at a convention and a bunch of, uh, fucking weirdos, uh, decide to get drunk and, uh, and uh, you know, assault one of us. Like, there should be legal consequences for that so that people don't do that, right? So I use quartering to sort of make that point. I don't think he appreciates it because people make fun of him for it. Yeah, they do. You, <laughs> you sued a man in a dress for beating your ass. I didn't look at it that way. I was just like, uh, let he me just... He immortalized it, basically. Uh, yeah. You know, I, on the I think Monday Night stream, he's on there talking about it. He, we're talking about the lawsuit. And if I remember correctly, me and Keemstar are like, uh, okay, this is kind of, <laughs> maybe mm. just let this go. But I'm glad he didn't. You know, He did get his ass whipped by a guy. He did, dress. but also, like, he won that lawsuit. Yeah, yeah, which he did. Is, I mean, I, so basically, I won the lawsuit because all I wanted to do was just make that point that, like, you know, uh, we do have the the money to um uh, to put you, to take you to court. If, like, if you know one of us is going to go appear in public and get assaulted, you know, you, there better will than be consequences. Than you first off, uh, better than. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't want it to happen to me either. You know, right? So of course, like... but I mean, if it's going to be somebody between you two, I mean, obviously, it's better than it's. Him. He's a big guy anyway. Uh, yeah. So. He can handle it. Uh, all right, now let's see here. Has Ethan ever been to Australia? And if so, did you like it? That's from Hank Ronson. Yeah, yeah. I went to Australia 2010. Went to a topless beach called Bondi Beach. That was really nice. 
And, uh, you know, yeah, man, the women there are beautiful. Fucking Australian women are gorgeous. I don't know what happens. The men are like uh, hideous monstrosities, uh, you know. So I don't know why they get these women. Because, I mean, you got you look at it, it's just like Nicole Kidman's Australian, you know. Uh, fucking, uh, who's the uh, pop star? Kylie Minogue, Minog, yeah. whatever you'll say, like, yeah. and her sister. Just gorgeous women. What's her name? Uh, yeah, I like this. From, uh, that plays Harley Quinn. What's her name? Margot Robbie's Australian. I believe that. Like, they all, like, they're really, like, beautiful women, even more beautiful than, like, Hollywood, uh, L.A. women. So, yeah, I like it, man. I like Australia, and uh, I went there. I had a pretty good time. All right, let's see. Who's your favorite Green Lantern? Um, then he ranks Alan Scott, Hal Jordan, Guy Gardner, John Stewart, Kyle Rayner, Simon Baz, uh, Jessica mm. Cruz, Joe Moline. Who who's your favorite Green Lantern? It's gonna be Hal Jordan. Yeah, it's gotta be right. Yeah, and I like Guy Gardner. I like all the ones that I worked on a lot. I don't care about Bat Simon Baz. I don't care about this new uh, black lesbian Joe. I don't care about her. Uh. It's stupid, just stupid fucking character. Fucking all these characters. They have a the black lesbian Green Lantern now. Yeah, this girl, this she's Joe, and they they there's this archetype. Somebody made a meme where they just said, uh, they pointed out all of the black lesbian women with shaved heads, the sides of the head are shaved, same archetype uh, that they've used in so many different things, and that's her. I mean, that's the Green Lantern version of her. She also appears in like the uh, new Buzz Lightyear movie that came out a couple years ago. Same character archetype, same character used in um, uh, the Acolyte Star Wars show, uh, you know, just over and over and over again. The shaved headed uh, black lesbian. I don't get it. Like, is this what we're, the world is supposed to look like to these people? I don't I don't understand. But anyway, no, she sucks. Hal Jordan, uh, Guy Gardner. Uh, John Stewart, Kyle Rayner's kind of gay. I really like Kilowog. Kilowog's great. Kilowog's the big burly alien drill sergeant guy. I like him. All right, let's see. I'm looking through. What's his opinions on Lewis Love Hog? I don't know who that is, but um, I don't know if you have a. Oh. Who is, who is that guy? I know what that name is. Like, is he some like fucking autistic guy? From, I looked uh... him up. He's on something. I actually don't. Like I didn't know, but it seems like a let's see, creator, uh, host of Atop the Fourth Wall. Uh, oh, that's a Lightbringer guy, isn't that? Uh, what's his name? Um, yeah, I think he's a retard. I I don't like uh, what he does. <laughs> I don't. His comic book was uh, a lot of people. It's really weird when like people who are comic book enthusiasts and who kind of rise to. Uh, some level of popularity actually decide to try to make a comic book and you see it and it's like it's completely retarded like on every level i think that's the guy we're talking about lightbringer yeah linkara linkara uh, that's yeah. Who, yeah i didn't actually know that was his real name but yeah i know linkara a little bit i see his fit his face now yeah his comic is horrible like he's an idiot and uh you know he can go fuck himself so. <laughs> uh let's see okay do you have a favorite part of Isom? That was asked by like several different people. If you, yeah, I know. I like that question. I know that's like a, being seen as like a trap question to to, and it isn't. It's a it's a valid question meant to draw out people who are blindly supporting the comic book without having read it. Now, I'm not somebody who says that you um need to 
have like to read that's you don't buy it just to read it you might buy our black riding hood book just to flip it and make five times your money I, i'm not hating on that that's great do it um but at the same time just being like wearing the t-shirt you know being a big fan etc cetera, etc cetera, implies that you've read it like have you you, you must be a fan if you're gonna wear the t-shirt and the hat you read the comic right what was your favorite part of the comic to prove that you read it and uh it's just like it seems more like like a fan club of you know uh rather than kind of a a literate group of uh comic book readers uh, than anything i did read Isom number one i don't have a favorite part of it it, it kind of washed over me there was one part of it that was so weird that i i guess it comes to mind quick uh quickest and i guess i'd call that my favorite part which is when somebody throws Isom it like throws him into midair and then he hits another character who was also flying from a different fight and they collide in midair, which is like the most unlikely thing to ever happen. You know, it's like, it's as if you're playing baseball across the street and I'm playing baseball in my yard and I throw the ball into the air and you just throw without even seeing me and you throw the baseball and our two baseballs smack in midair. Like that's, the likelihood of that happening, Ralph. We'd have to go go to we'd have to go straight to Atlantic City. We'd have to we'd have to fucking uh, like play blackjack all night. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty high. That's luck. That's incredible. That's incredible. I thought you were gonna say when it was over and you had to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I read it. It was it it wasn't a difficult like it wasn't a slog to read. It was okay. You know, it's just first effort. Just a little, yeah uh anonymous on telegram says does he see a future for base creators using ai art and online publishing to bypass the woke comic industry filter yeah I, i'm not into ai at all um uh, i see a lot of people using it like it's a new superpower like they just learned how to draw for free overnight you know it's a guy named shadowversity who's like uh, i'm a, listen People think this is easy, but it isn't easy. I had to plug in a bunch of specific words to get this result. Uh, fuck you. It is an art. Uh, it is a, oh, a you computer. You saw that guy. You saw that yeah, guy like, on Twitter? Yeah. Yeah, it's... it pisses me off, dude, because it's like, you know, uh, again, uh, no, it isn't It isn't art in any way. It's not a tool. Uh, my attitude about it is uh, you can use it. Like, I could use it. Like, I could sit there and go, right, let me see this. I'm going to maybe get some ideas. I'll type in cyber frog uh, and see what it comes up with. It's going to come up with some like janky new like tech. I might borrow pieces of that that the computer thought up that I couldn't have thought up with my own head. But the idea of representing that artwork and saying this is my art, uh, it is not art. Uh, do I see a future in it? I do, and it's I, it's not a world I want to live in. You know, I, this is important to me. I I really like the uh, idea that there's a human brain working behind the stories that i'm reading and the the art that i'm looking at uh somebody worked really hard to learn their craft uh, plugging a, a few prompts into a computer and getting a result man dude that's that is the world uh, that our kids are going to grow up in now let me ask you a couple more questions i'll let you go An excellent appearance by the way um but we're not done just yet uh, i saw this guy said uh Stan, Jack, and Steve don't like you. And Chief of Staff had said, ask him about knowing Stan Lee and a personal story or two. And he linked that tweet. 
uh, and it's and you said you knew Stanley, uh, and he mm-hmm. was a great guy, and that was I guess from earlier today, the fourteenth. Yeah. Uh, so you said you did know Stanley. Well, tell us yeah. an anecdote about Stanley. My favorite Stanley story. <clears throat> First of all, I didn't get to meet Steve Ditko because he was a recluse, but he was a, a Randian objectivist, so he would have hate, hated these woke guys. Uh, Jack Kirby died in 1994. I didn't get to meet him either, but a lot of my friends did. But Stanley, I did get to spend a lot of time with, and uh, we got along just fine. He was a really nice guy. And one time I'm in a, a back room with him at a convention. We had to sit there. I, had to, I was put there. Uh, to wait until I was going on a panel. And he was sitting in this room with stacks and stacks of comics that he had been, he was being wheeled around. The last couple of years of his life were really depressing. Uh, as people who didn't care about him, I think probably his, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, his daughter was ringing him out for cash, yeah. like $200 a signature, and I'm going to fly you all around the world and make you sign comic books all day. So he's in this back room, and I'm like, uh, hey, Stan, how you doing? He's like, miserable. And I'm like, how come? He's like, I got to sign all these comics for these retrobates. And I was like, uh, well, Stan, I said, no, no, these are like, uh, this is great. Like, you know, people are really going to enjoy having these comics that you signed. And he says, bullshit. They're just going to end up on eBay. And his voice, he's just Stanley, right? But he's not in character. He's being his actual self. And so I go, eBay. I was like, Stan, now these are going to be family heirlooms with these guys. This is, these are your fans. And he goes, famously, he goes, my fans line them up and give me a tommy gun <laughs> fucking died dude. <laughs> so i loved stan i thought he was great uh and then you know i said can i turn my camera on and ask you a question like an interview question and he said okay so i turned on my camera i said who was your favorite spider-man villain that you created and he instantly became the beloved like stanley character he's like I don't like any of them. They're all villains. Shame on them. They're naughty boys. But I got to say, I, I think I guess I like Green Goblin the best. Uh, and it was just, it was nice to see that it was like, that's a put on. That's an act that he puts on, you know, stand the man, true believer, Excelsior. But in reality, he was angry. He was being kicked around. He was being abused by people who were supposed to be caring for him. And I do get angry at the comic book industry for claiming him. Uh, right at the end of his life, they were uh, accusing him of uh, groping his nurses. Uh, they were stealing his blood and mixing it with ink to do these limited signed Black Panther what? comics. Wait, 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 wait. About that. Hold on, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. They were stealing his blood and mixing it with ink? Wait, what his is this? Doctors, I've never yeah. heard of this. You can find it on, like, I think the, there are a bunch of articles about it, but look it up. Uh, his doctors were drawing blood unnecessarily fakers and selling his blood and this is they're like fucking van literally like fucking vampires uh and then like mixing it with ink and being like this these comic books have stanley's actual blood in the signature uh and they weren't even real signatures they were printed on signatures with the ink with his blood in it uh and uh uh yeah you know that that's what was happening to him and when I think about what he did and, and how hard he worked and all the stuff that he created that made me happy as a 12-year-old, 13-year-old buying those Marvel comics, I would have liked to have seen uh, this industry, the comic book industry, um, under not line up to ask for his autograph, but support the idea that this guy sp- should have spent the, uh, the last two years of his life on the beach in a chair drinking a mimosa, just fucking chilling, like looking at girls in bikinis. That should have been the end of his life uh instead they tortured him they wheeled him around they made him sign comics he didn't want to sign and uh 
Yeah, I mean, just fuck all those people. I told my own audience uh, back then, I said, if you see Stan Lee is coming to your town uh, and you order one of his signatures, go fuck yourself. Like, seriously, like I've, I've spent a little time. He, you're, they're torturing him. Do not do that to him. Don't ask him. to Go buy it from somebody else on eBay. You don't need his signature that badly. And the money isn't going to him. It's going to his shitty uh, daughter or something like that. So anyway. That's fucking crazy. And I'd read some stuff about it in the press. I didn't, you know, first-hand experience with it is, is something else. Uh, all right, let's see. Ask about how diversity hires pushed by big business are distorting the industry and ruining its quality. See, that's a big question. But, I mean, it's also a boring question that you don't probably want to get into. Well, maybe a short. It's kind of a long a quick, question if you really yeah. wanted to delve. Maybe just a quick hit on that. Is that having an impact on the industry? And if so, how so? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, of course it is. Uh, there, <clears throat> the, the comic book industry, uh, like every other business right now, is, is uh, uh, you know, adhering to these ESG-inspired, uh, inflicted standards of, uh, you, you have to uh, hire a certain amount of, you have to have a, a diversity, like be able to present yourself as hiring women and people of color and homosexuals. And I we actually received Warner Brothers, um, uh, ESG, not ESG, uh, DIA, DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion manual, uh, which they have to give to investors. We got a hold of it and it's incredible. They had pie charts in there, uh, which showed the percentages of different diverse people, uh, that they had hired as opposed to last year. As you can see, uh, the, the black woman lesbian uh, slice of the pie has increased by 3% since last year. Uh, and, and so um, uh, they do that, and they do that in order to, uh, to uh, get investor funding and all this stuff. Is it ruining comics? Of course it is. Uh, these people don't care about comic books at all. They just don't care. Uh, so it's sad. I mean, we, I, we, we're from a, a niche hobby and industry. There's not a lot of money in it. The, the fan fandom, people who care about comics, relatively a small population. So uh, nobody really cares what we think or what we want. You know, uh, we're just going to get steamrolled by these people. Now, chief of staff has one uh, topical question, not about anything we've talked about, really uh, a news item. Uh, do you have any thoughts uh, on what's going on in Gaza and Israel uh, and all that. And also, has that affected you in any way? If you wanted to take it that way, has it affected any of your business or just no, that it is not? I don't, I'm, like, seriously, um, you know, my attitude about it is uh, they're, they're trying to push us into another war. Uh, I don't I don't care, uh, and I'm tired of it. I got a 24-year-old son who would get drafted. I don't want that. I don't want him to fight and die for Israel. Uh, America first. Uh, we need to be focused on what's going on here at home, uh, and uh, we're not. We're we're distracting ourselves with the problems of uh, nations that throwing all our money. I saw a nice video of uh, a veteran, a guy who went and served his country, and he made a video. He was weeping, like he's like snot is coming out of his nose. This is a big guy, like this is a brave man, right? And, but he's he's got he's mentally ill. He's suffering from PTSD and all of these things from seeing his friends die overseas. And he's he's like, they kicked me. I can't afford, you know, the VA uh, isn't covering my 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 doctor anymore, and I can't take it. I fucking can't take it. Like, and he's crying and stuff. And <clears throat> when I think about all the money we're sending to the, the Ukraine, uh, which has nothing to do with anything, I couldn't give a shit. 
And the idea that we're now being diverted into this, uh, another crisis, uh, another couple of uh, groups of people that have really nothing to do with the United States. And I think about how uh, our soldiers can't even keep their doctors. Um, that pisses me off. So um, I don't have a preference. I don't care. I, I think uh, we shouldn't care. And I think all of our money should go, should stay right here at home. Well, we need to enforce our borders. Uh, and we need to make sure that our fighting men uh, who sacrificed a lot for this country for no real reason, as it turns out, uh, we need to kiss their asses and make their lives uh, heaven if we can, uh, as best as we can. We got the money to do it. We're just misallocating it. So that's how I feel about that. Thank you. And thank you uh, for that answer. Uh, I think a lot of people agree with you listening. Uh, also, let me I'll ask, try to ask this question uh, and then I'll, I'll, I'll let you wrap it here. Um, but Frank said in a video, does he agree? Uh, and I guess it was. Um, uh, let me try to put it this way. It's that guy where the guy is in front of the phone booth and he um, does a little bang bang action. Basically, he's, he takes out a, a pedophile, I guess. Uh, what do you think the appropriate punishment should be for pedophiles, I guess, would be a way to put it. Under the law, of course. Oh, uh, yeah, like uh, pedophiles who uh, are who act out. And I mean, listen, if I if uh, yeah, so, they, if have I to, they have to actually molest. somebody but, touch my kid and uh, I get yeah. a chance to the shot at him. Yeah, I'll, I'll go to jail for that. I'll kill him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I saw that video. That guy's a hero. Um, uh, you got to get him off the street. You got to get him. Uh, he needs to be taken off the map. So, uh, yeah, I would definitely kill a pedophile, especially one to touch my kid. And uh, that guy should face no jail time at all. I mean, he like understand like you know he did that probably expecting he was going to go to jail for it. He but. did. He went to jail and got out. I think somebody said he did an interview with somebody. I don't know if it was Jesse or somebody. I forget who he did an interview with, but I he got out. Yeah, he did go to yeah. jail though. Yeah, I don't. You know, uh, the whole the whole thing of uh, pedophilia is obsessed upon uh, on uh, on the internet. It's a it's a dark, uh, ugly topic. I I it does uh, a lot of. It is funny though. Um, I saw on Twitter today that the same guy you were asking me, like, oh, what, you know, how do you feel about, you know, Stan Lee and Steve Ditko and Jack Kirby would have hated you. And I said, well, those guys all hated commies like you. And somebody in response to that on my side said, yeah, those guys hated commies and pedophiles like you. And that just makes me laugh. I like the idea that communism and pedophilia uh, could be lobbed hand in hand to like somebody who at one of these people. So that's funny. But I, I don't know. I just uh, no, I think. You know, that guy's a hero, obviously. Ethan Van Skyver, an amazing appearance tonight on the Kill Stream, and we went almost two hours. So thank you for being very generous with your time this evening. I think we hit pretty much everything. How's my low cow diagnosis? No, nah, you're That's good. My wife, I'm good. You're right, good. It was excellent. I think this will be clipped. I think this. I think a lot of people are watching this, uh, and hopefully, some more <laughs> are watching on the replay. Tell people how they can support Cyberfrog or anything else you got going on, and promo it all right now. Yeah. Oh, thanks for that. Yeah. Follow me on Twitter at Ethan Van Skyver. That's my name down there. Uh, you can spell correctly at Ethan Van Skyver. Uh, and then look up Cyberfrog Indiegogo on Google. Uh, you'll find Cyberfrog Dark Harvest, which is a current campaign. You can get Cyberfrog 1, 2, and 3. Uh, Cyberfrog 3, Red Extermination. Uh, and look up Cyberfrog uh, action figures and, and get some of these action figures. They're really beautifully made. Christmas is coming. If you want to get your kids um, something that uh, is not from fucking Disney, 
Okay, you're not going to support the mouse or that machine. Uh, the Cyberfrog toys are high quality. They're great. Your kids will love them. I saw one guy review them on YouTube, and it was great because the guy hates me. He's just like, <laughs> fuck Ethan, he's a fucking Nazi. So I bought his, he's, it does a toy review channel. So he's reviewing the toy, and the joints are loose. And he's like, my kid took the toy and has been playing with it nonstop for six days. This is a guy that his entire house is full of action figures. But I got his kid. His kid is playing with my cyber frog toy uh, and completely like played with it until like uh, it was uh, the joints were loose and everything. He's like the kid couldn't my kid couldn't put it down. So I got to give it a good review. That's what I want to see. I like stuff like that. So uh, buy the the cyber frog action figures from Indiegogo or Big Bad Toy Store and um, just know, you know, you're supporting a business that shares your values if that's important to you. But. If it isn't, just know the toys are great. Right, They're great toy. quality. And even if they make you buy, you know, your kids may be demanding Disney or this or that, slip one in. Like, you can, you know, you can still grab one, uh, put it in the mix. And that's such a great uh, anecdote there, right? Like, it's like, ah, his kid loves it. He, could, he couldn't help but admit it was high quality. Yep. And he's a great-looking character that your kid will want to play with. When yeah. they see it, they'll go, what is this? And they'll open it up and want to play with it. It's a really good toy. I wish I had one here, but I have one on the wall. Usually I have one in, on my desk, but I can. I know. Up. Usually, yes, but I still remember the chromium <laughs> cover. Like you're, you're just totally ready. Uh, well, I was totally ready to have you on tonight, and I think it was uh, an excellent appearance, and I appreciate. It. Let's not make it so long. Next time, my fault, uh, really. Uh, but I appreciate you being here. Maybe you know, two or three months down the line, we can have you back on the show uh, to talk some more uh, about your projects and whatever other bullshit. absolutely anytime a complete pleasure thanks Ralph. appreciate Thank you brother. all right you have a good one ethan van skyvert live tonight on the kill stream